Game of Thrones Season 5 is almost here, but the Game of Thrones Book Club is here right now. We're back. We're back. We're back in action. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hello, everybody. So happy to be here. I'm Josh Wiggler. I am joined here right now by the most awesome person on Earth. It's Terry Schwartz. Terry, what's going on? Josh Wiggler, you flatter me, and it's such a pleasure to be back. I know we uh, pulled a little GRM deadline madness there going back and forth about when we were going to record this, but we finally are, and that's wonderful. Yeah, we were supposed to record on Monday, and then we had to shift it to Tuesday because I kept drowning in work, and I told you too late on Tuesday, and you sent me an angry email saying, you should have told me the night before because I could have slept in. It was a nice email it was a nice saying email, I could have slept I, I felt the sting. I know what you were trying to say. Oh, no, I like, I think I even put a smiley face in there to let you know that I did. I know, but the smiley face is like the, is like the, the smiley kiss, face like of, the kiss death. of death. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. The emotion well, of we, death. At least we have an amazing show lined up today. I think it was worth the wait. I think it was worth the wait as well. Uh, lots and lots and lots to talk about today as we are moving into uh, getting very close to the proper season of Game of Thrones. We are, as of this recording, less than two weeks away from the premiere on April 12th. It is, uh, what day is it? It's April Fool's Day. How about it that? It is April Fool's Day. Um, Surprise, we're talking about scandal today <laughs> we're talking about scandal that's all this we're is doing. all about the mindy project book club. <laughs> yeah welcome to the mindy project book club i'm your host josh wargler um, yeah that's, <laughs> Terry the, Schwartz. that's the that's the bizarro version of uh of this uh no we're but today is a, a special april fool's day game of thrones book club because we're talking only about patch face uh it is the <laughs> it is the patch face exclusive uh game and of what Thrones. people don't know is that this is the patch face season i mean this is the season where they found a way to just not really make him a character but have him be in the background of every single scene in every shot of the show which gets really interesting when it's like just the dragons yeah and yet they're there's patch face in the sky have you, around. have you ever seen that video uh, from last year when um, when True Detective was really very super popular hadn't finished its run yet is it about the yellow king yeah and like some person like it. edited a yellow king into every single shot of True Detective and just analyzed it super seriously that's just what I I'm, loved that video that's just what I'm picturing with patch face right now just patch face being edited into every single uh, shot of Game of Thrones well I'm realizing in <laughs> retrospect because um, I'm jumping ahead into topics but there was the the game of thrones u.s premiere in san francisco and they did a red carpet and i talked to sophie turner there who plays sansa and we were talking about how much we miss oberon i was like can we just find a way to like work in flashbacks that somehow we haven't seen of him but like just to keep pedro on the show and she goes you know none of us are actually in this season it's just him this whole show that's what this entire season is i was like i bet that would do really well she goes i bet it would have better ratings than we have now. yeah you know what i would watch it i would totally uh, watch the I'm not lie. Hotel. i mean i don't want i don't want game of thrones to die so that oberon may live but better I, fall open. I mean i would watch it yeah i would watch it um, that's a perfect day to roll out that clip and pretend that it's serious yes absolutely all right well so much to talk about so so let's get into it we're recording this bright and early on the west coast uh for you terry so uh you've got work to do today so we'll try and get this thing going on here um and this really today it's uh it's all about you uh you the audience of course but you terry schwartz you're going to be the star of this show today because um 
you've done some pretty cool things. Some very cool things have happened in Terry Schwartzland. As you guys know, Terry is an associate editor at zaptoit.com. She is a, a journalist extraordinaire, gets to talk to all the cool and fancy people on the red carpets and the fancy things. Um, and you have done the fanciest of things. I remember back in October uh, when we did a Game of Thrones book club, and I think it was October 2014, uh, right before we did our podcast about the world of Ice and Fire, we talked about the world of Ice and Fire event that I went to, and I interviewed George R. R. Martin, and that was like the highlight of my Game of Thrones career. Uh, that yeah. was really incredible. I had like, uh, I don't know if I had 10 minutes with him. I had a long time with him. Uh, 10 minutes doesn't sound long, but for a red carpet, that's a pretty decent. I mean, he probably time. answered a question and a half. He answered, I think, three questions. Uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, it was a good three questions. Uh, it was amazing. It was incredible. And I, I challenged you there on the spot. I said, are you ever going to have anything more cool uh, than that uh, in terms of your Game of Thrones experience? Is there a- ever going to be a moment where you can um, outplay me in terms of you have sweet, sweet Game of Thrones credentials? And Terry, that time has come. And frankly, at the time of saying that, I kind of already knew what you were Yeah, you did. You did. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Terry Schwartz was on set of Game of Thrones. I was on the set of Game of Thrones. I sat on Danny's dais. Uh, I sat on the Iron Throne. I, I explored <laughs> the wall. I hit my head on a lantern in Castle Black because it was hanging really low. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, so you're the worst person of all time. I'm the worst person of all time. And after years and years of pestering, I finally got approved with a group of international journalists to visit the set of Game of Thrones in Belfast. Were you the lone American on the trip? No, it was myself and one other American journalist who also had been pestering and pestering for years. And we found, I mean, I'm no Entertainment Weekly. I don't get my 10 days of travel time hanging out with Peter Dinklage on an airplane. But this was like, this was pretty, it was pretty much the awesomest. And it was really bizarre. I I hope that what they do after Game of Thrones wrapped up, wraps up is they open the sets to the public like they did with um, with Harry Potter yeah. at Leaveston Studios because it was really surreal walking onto the sets and having to say, this isn't a museum and like these aren't actual places, even though I think about them so much, like this is where they shoot the show. Um, we saw a scene being shot. I can't say what it is, but when you guys get to it, I think I can say it's like the opening scene of uh, episode three. Oh, wow. Um, so it's, it's a little bit in. And yeah, like seeing people shoot on it was one thing and it made it feel more like a set. But when we were just, we walked through the small council room and we walked through um, Tyrion and Cersei's room because fun fact, they use the same room for both or used the same room for both of their uh, bedroom scenes. They just dress them differently. Which These I Lannisters was- love sleeping together. Yeah, right. They're just on top of each other in bed. Cersei was there the whole time, like patch face. Um, Yeah, we walked we walked through all the rooms and it just it felt like a museum or it felt when we when we went to the quarry where Castle Black is built and shot. It's like a full fort. And I grew up in New England and you could go to like Sturbridge Village or you could go to one of these like old Revolutionary War forts. And that's what it felt like. It felt like visiting one of these places that actually existed and actually served a function, but, you know, is empty now. And we're just visiting it as tourists. Uh, so it was a very, very bizarre experience. I don't know if you remember me pretty much relaying that sentiment at the time. It's pretty much stayed the same ever since. It's hard to, like, I look at the photo that I got to take sitting on the Iron Throne and I'm like, holy cow, Queen Elizabeth was here. She didn't sit. 
she was here. Like, this is the throne room in Game of Thrones. She didn't sit on it? She didn't sit on it. And there apparently was never any discussion of her sitting on it except on the internet. Because this is funny. I think Kit told me this at Comic-Con, Kit Harrington, um, that there's some rule about the queen sitting on a throne that isn't hers. So she, like, wasn't able by government or something to actually sit on it, even though it's a fictional show. Wow. Um, I mean, I just, I don't even know where to start with this because I'm so jealous and I'm so angry and I'm, and I'm, (laughs) and like, I'm envious and I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm psyched for you, but I'm mostly angry and jealous. I'm so furious. I, I mean, it was a really unique experience. I don't know. Who knows if I'll get to go back? Who knows if, if they'll allow more people? Um, but it was very interesting to see where they shoot it. And the sets are like, the sets look so real on the small screen. And sometimes you go to a show and, you know, you can see the magic behind the scenes that like maybe the set doesn't actually look the way it's represented. Yeah. But this, I mean, it was like when we were, the set that's the top of the wall set is not obviously outside at the top of the wall. It's in a giant stage, but they actually built it on top of other sets that they use. So there's like two stories of sets. And so that way, when you're shooting the wall stuff and you walk to the edge, you're like 30 feet up off the ground. And sure, that's not hundreds of thousands of feet like you would be if you were actually at the top of the wall. But but I can understand how that makes it easier for the actors to play some of those scenes and also it's freezing on those stages because they don't i mean they're really they're the titanic studios in belfast they're really old stages um and they don't have very good heating and so when you're up there shivering you're probably shivering in in real life as well despite all the layers of clothes you have on because it's like i don't know 40 degrees yeah super cold yeah wow I just, I Do you have any questions that I could answer? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm kind of just, um, just fuming. Yeah, it's like a, a lot of rage going on in my heart as I as I think, what did I do wrong? Where did I turn the wrong way that I didn't get to go to Game of Thrones with you? Well, just pestering. I know you're such a pesterer. <laughs> you really are. That's one of your skills, though. I think that that's one thing that you are uh, you are really really great at. You don't you don't let go of stuff. Uh, yeah, I feel like I that is a, that is a, that has been an invaluable skill in your career as a journalist. As I as I've watched you grow from a from a young college college kid who was blogging for MTV to being a, I don't know how old you are. You're like 25, right? Yeah, yeah, 20, a 25 year old young young buck buck ass, I guess, uh, just kicking ass and taking names. It's exciting. I'm I am I am tremendously proud of you that you were able to do this. Yeah, I mean, I decided for myself that my career goal was going to be going to the set of Game of Thrones because I was a huge Harry Potter fan, and one of the great sadnesses in my life is that I wasn't at a place where I could go and visit that set and sort of feel like I was a part of that world. And I feel like it, this all just sounds very braggy to anyone who is listening. To Anybody this. who's listening, this loves you, Terry. So they're psyched <laughs> for you right now. And if you're, if you're not, and you're furious with Terry right now, then you're on my side. <laughs> no, I just, I, I, this is a show, obviously, as everyone knows, is it's very important to both myself and to Josh. And, uh, it was cool to feel like I was a little part of it um, and I could see some of the magic behind the scenes. And Belfast is like a very strange city. Yeah. It's unlike any city. How long I've- were you there for? Uh, it was an in and out trip. I think it was like two, two and a half 
days oh, total. So really not but we long. were only we were only on set for one day. Okay. Um, and I'm I've been talking about the actual sets, but some of the most interesting stuff that we got to see is we went to the armory and we saw where they had like this massive warehouse where they make all the costumes. Uh, and hopefully, everyone who watches Game of Thrones has read up on some of the um, really interesting stuff that Michelle. Clapton, I think is her name, uh, has done with the costumes because they tell a story unto themselves, the amount of detail, um, that goes into the, the outfits that they have them wear is like actually just amazing. Uh, so we, we saw a couple of, we saw like Danny's dress, um, that she wears this season. I'm trying to think what else we saw. I think we saw Sansa's outfit, um, but then also just her like uh, her Darth Sansa outfit. I think so. Awesome. Um, but then I we also just saw like just rooms upon rooms of armor and you know commoners' clothing and how it's all separated and how everything is made to be unique but but cohesive for these different areas. Uh, yeah, it's incredible the amount of work that goes into this show and it's a year-long thing like hbo rents out titanic studios year-round because it would just be too much of a hassle to have to build up to that like six months after they finish shooting what's cool is so so terry has written at least one report from the set do you have do you have more uh stories coming from this yeah, I do. I mean, we did some interviews. Um, okay, and- I, w- I want to ask about that separately. But you've yeah. written one right now that's um, 10 Game of Thrones Easter eggs from the Belfast set. Yeah. Um, and one of the facts, the one that, that stood out to me, is that there's four sets that have never been taken down. Yeah. Um, Castle Black, The Red Keep, Winterfell, and Harrenhal, once constructed, have not been taken down. Um, which is, uh, you know, it, understandable to me, at least as far as Castle Black and The Red Keep are concerned. But we haven't seen Winterfell in a while. And Harrenhal is not necessarily the most used or, or seen set on right. the show. So that, that kind of surprises me that those two have been uh, just kept up. But I guess, I guess we must be going to Winterfell this season uh, coming up. I'm just trying to think of, like, what's the big Harrenhal story that's coming up this season? And, you know, I had that same thought. The Winterfell thing makes sense because we know that that's where the Boltons are set this season um and obviously they went back to winterfell at the end of last season but so that we actually farther trying to think where it was farther west of belfast um several hours away there's another set of stages and some other um areas where they had sets that i didn't get a chance to see but that's where winterfell is and based on what i was told um the winterfell set is like castle black where it's fully built it's like a fort. They're able to go around and, and shoot stuff um, within it. So, yeah, it totally makes sense why they wouldn't want to tear it down to the end. And not even just so they can shoot scenes in Winterfell there. But you can repurpose that for other stuff. Like when we were on Castle Black, um, they were doubling one they were, they doubled one room for something that they shot with Ramsey. Yeah. Um, which obviously Ramsey, I, or at least I assume the way they made it sound, Ramsey is not at the wall. Uh, but it was supposed to be a different location. But if you have these amazing sets, why wouldn't you? And that's something that I wrote in that list as well that I thought was incredibly interesting is you see like the courtyard scene 
the, that we frequently see people in uh, in King's Landing, like walking through a courtyard. And that's one central area of one of the sets we saw. But when we had when we were there, it had just been used as something in marine. Um, so, I, you know, it's really easy to trick the audience into thinking they're seeing someplace completely different just by changing the decorations and changing the lighting or painting the walls, as was the case with uh, with Cersei and Tyrion. But they're really smart about how they use that stuff. Yeah. I totally drank the Kool-Aid, you guys, oh, as if man. I didn't love Game of Thrones enough. I'm like, this is the most brilliant set ever be created. Uh, well, it's hard not to, you know. Listen, I mean, I've been on sets of stuff before and even on, um, on movies and shows that have ended up being kind of shitty. Like, I've always just been like, oh, this is really, really cool. There's just something about the magic of being on set that always, uh, always makes something seem uh, a little more special. Yeah. Uh, and to do it with a show that you know has the goods, you know, a show that is as proven as Game of Thrones... Something that's so near and dear to your heart, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna geek out. I think that that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So, who did you interview? Who did you get a chance to talk to while you were there? I actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Well, I could say we. Are you embargoed? Yeah, for some of this stuff, but I think, I think I can say I talked to Maisie. Okay. Um, and because we did, so, we didn't do all the interviews on set. We did some, a couple of the actors were around and were kind enough to come and like speak to us at the hotel and do a big group interview. So I spoke with Maisie and I spoke with Dean Charles Chapman, who was around. And I spoke with Lena Heaty, who was around. And also we Dean were Charles able Chapman. I just had to look up cause I was is, like, is who's Tommen. that? Is he's the, he's the professor. Uh, no. Dean Chapman. <laughs> yeah. He's Tom. Tom. Yeah, he's Tommen, uh, and Lena is obviously Cersei. And then uh, we did get a chance to chat with poor Brian Cogman, the one of the writers on the show, who I've spoken to a few times, and is like the just a lovely person. And he's the one writer on the team who's on social media. But if I never asked him a plot spoiler question again. I think it would be too soon for him. <laughs> He's like, he just I, knows I, you as the pesterer, as we say. Yeah, yeah. He he knows. I, we like asked him questions talking about the end of the series because at the time there wasn't all the debate about how many seasons it would be, and he was like, "You're already asking me about the end of the show. We're shooting season five right now, yeah. but but you're right here, and I can ask you everything I feel like asking." Uh, yeah. Guy. He, I mean, that guy has a has a crazy job. He has to keep yeah. track of everything. That's a that's a ton of stuff. Yeah, uh, he's a cool dude. I really like Brian. Every time I've had to interact with him, and he, I think he wrote some episodes this year. And there's a new writer who I believe, and this could be completely wrong, but I believe he used to be David and Dan's assistant um, named Dave Hill. Okay, so he wrote an episode this season as well. Nice. But it's, I mean, it's funny. People are like, why aren't there more episodes and and all this stuff? There and, can't be. There, there can't be, but also David and Dan, especially with George not writing anything this this season, um, they're like David and Dan write so many of the episodes that have all their names. Yeah, I just I can't even imagine having to do that and and keep yourself sane. Yeah, while a show running a show, not easy. Not easy. So give us give us all the spoilers that these people told you. Tell us every single thing that they said, because I'm sure you're not on lock and key to say all of the things that they've told you. Oh, I was just going to start making uh, jokes about stuff. You know, I I'm terrible. I really haven't got like started transcribing all this stuff um, from before. I, I haven't dove back into all that stuff. Uh, but we I can talk about what 
what I chatted with people about in San Francisco, which I think is probably more up to date spoilers than what I got on set. Sure, totally. Anyway. All right, so let's let's segue from from your time in Belfast. Any other like super secret, awesome Belfast things you want to reveal before we move? I mean, away? I, the thing that made me geek out the most the whole time, and I wrote this up in the Easter eggs thing was that when we were walking backstage from one area to another, uh, we walked by the like the stones from the crypts of Winterfell. And I saw the statue of Liana and considering like as much as I would love to have Liana flashbacks or something where we get to meet her, that's probably the closest we're ever going to get. So I like really geeked out over getting to just happen to see Liana backstage while I was there. And it's funny, um, the way that the statue is formed, it totally looks like she's giving you the middle finger. Uh, (laughs) If you go back and watch those. Oh, that's so Liana. I know, right? I was like, that's so Liana. She's so spunky. So spunky. Uh, So, yeah, myself and the other American journalists who were there are both big book fans. And we were like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, all the international journalists were like, what is happening? Uh Why do you care about this? stone that's funny that's cool um all right let's 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 talk about some other ridiculously awesome game of thrones stuff you got <laughs> to do recently uh yeah as you as you alluded to there was the premiere uh the american premiere of game of thrones um was in san francisco last week yeah oh god it was only last Monday. last week um and terry you were there you were there you were on the carpet you got to talk to everybody they can't get rid of me <laughs> oh my god that's terrifying um oh my god i'm really scared like that's total <laughs> horror movie stuff you just said yeah there was yeah it was it was great they had you know pretty much all the big name people i spoke with peter dinklage um which was crazy because i never ever he like peter is a great actor but he has zero interest in doing press Oh, sure. I mean, that's, a, that's a lot of a lot of actors don't want to do it. You know, yeah. a lot of actors, you know, that's what they're paid the big bucks for. So usually he does like three TV interviews on the carpet and that's it. But he made it down to me. They like grouped us all together. And so I shared words with him. I don't even think I'm going to put the video up online because he looks so annoyed to have to be answering questions. Oh, no. <laughs> like he gives like 10 word answers, which is better than. George R. R. Martin, who gives like seven minute long answers. Um, but yeah, it was like he was not he was not having it. He was not a fan of having to be doing that many interviews, oh, which man. I thought was funny. But I spoke with him. Well, and that what, was so what did you ask him about? Um, well, first I panicked and asked him a question I meant for Gwendolyn Christie because she was the person that I was supposed to be speaking with next. And then he like got plopped in. So I was like, what are, what are his alliances this year? And he's like, what are you talking like Varys, I guess? I don't know. Um, which I think is pretty much word for word, his answer. And then, <laughs> and then I asked, uh, I asked how killing his father and leaving the only country he knew would change him. He was like, well, a lot like he's drinking. And that's it? <laughs> that it. Oh, no. Oh, God. Strike two. Strike two. No, he was not having it. Uh, did he give you anything good? No. But then I talked to Gwendolyn. <laughs> that was it. Those were literally my two questions, and then Gwendolyn Christie came over. But she oh, is... Really funny. I, 
I said this yesterday because just before you talk about her, I just want to interject and, and say um, from my experience of, of doing red carpet stuff, sometimes the really bad interviews are my favorites, like just in terms of memories, like stories to <laughs> stories to cherish forever. Like if I were you, I will always hang on to uh, the time that I asked Peter Dinklage a question. Uh, my first question on Game of Thrones, I asked him for Gwendolyn Christie instead of for him and I totally screwed up and he was totally annoyed with me. Like I would love that. Uh, I, mean, I, like, I, I interviewed so someone who will not, who will not be named just for my own personal safety on a red carpet once. Who was an Oscar-winning actor who was uh, questionably intoxicated and very much not having any bullshit from Josh Wiggler. Uh, and I will never ever forget that. Like that will always be a very near and dear memory for me. So if I were you, Terry, I would cherish the fact that you screwed up your Peter Dinklage interview. Yeah. I think that's terrific. Well, it was like it was like a line of journalists that he was going down. So it wasn't just me oh, i feel like he had that attitude that. forever hate that yeah um yeah peter dinklage peter dinklage goes up there with quaventure wallace with interviews that i just couldn't crack just <laughs> oh, couldn't God. make it work <laughs> quaventure wallace cannot like have interviewed her multiple times can't get a good interview out of well, her she's for like of five me. years old so you know it's fine yeah. yeah yeah but lovely interviews on that carpet first of all my absolute favorite is sophie turner okay she she at the end of the interview, saw my Deathly Hollows tattoo and was like, oh, I love you guys. And I was like, that's funny because I love you, Sophie, and you're a wonderful human being. Bonded over your Deathly Hollows tattoo. Yeah, she got a kick out of it. It was great. Um, yeah, so she she was she was great. She teased Sansa's storyline this year. And I actually, you know, I think the thing about this season is pretty much everything is going to be different than the book's. Even though they're hitting the same points, they'll be doing it with different characters, different players. Um, and so Sansa's story, I think, is going to be one to really watch. Whereas if you're coming at it from a book reader's perspective, you're like, oh, it's so boring. She just stays at the veil, or at least that's how I felt about it. Uh, but but hers actually, it gets really good. Her journey, if you will, is very interesting. interesting. Um, so she was really good. Dean Charles Chapman, who I spoke with again. Professor uh, Chapman. Professor Chapman was wonderful we talked about he gave some really funny quotes about Tommen's relationship with Marjorie because uh, I, if anyone has seen the trailers they get married this season uh so he was talking about how you know when guys get married they just don't want their mom hanging around poking their nose in their business and all this stuff uh, so that was like a really cute way of teasing what I think will be one of the most fun power struggles this season between Marjorie and Cersei. Oh, yeah. And I think that this is... common in the middle. Yeah, this is um, one of the stories that I'm the most excited about because I know a lot of people didn't love A Feast for Crows and didn't love all of the Cersei POV chapters and everything like that, but I actually really appreciate that story a lot. I think it's really fun, and the thing that kept going through my head as I was, um, you know thinking about those chapters and getting ready for, for this season to start coming up, I'm just thinking... These two are so good. Like Lena Headey as Cersei is so good. And Natalie Dormer as Marjorie is so good. And to have those two, you know, in the, all of their scenes together have been fantastic. But like, this is it. This is the true war between them is going to happen this season. I, I feel like people are going to get a huge kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say too much, but yeah. Oh, it's, God. yeah, it's good. Um, and then my other, one of the most intriguing tidbits that I heard that I actually have no idea what it's leading up to was talking to, let me see if I can pronounce his name right. Uwin, Uwin Rion, who plays Ramsey. Uwin? 
Uwen, yeah, like like you, a U, except mine, I don't know. Uwen Rion, I think. Um, I might I. be overthinking it. It might yeah. be like Ian, but I'm pretty sure it's Uwen. Uh, he said that Ramsey definitively does something this season that's the absolute worst thing he's ever done ever. And this is the guy who's chopped off Theon Greyjoy's penis. Yeah, I was like, I was like, can he do anything more evil than that? And he's like, uh, yeah, and it happens this season. Oh I was like, god. oh god. Um, so By the I, way, I'm reading the Game of Thrones wiki on his uh, on his page, and it is pronounced "I won." That's, the publicist told me it was like Uwen, like a U. Maybe well, that, I don't know. Well, who do you trust? The publicist who knows him and spoke to you directly or the internet? <laughs> I'm just going to say, hey, dude. Hey, dude, remember that time I interviewed you once? Yeah. Never have hey, to man. say your name again. Hey, hey bro. You. <laughs> Win. You win. Yeah. yeah. The more you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, does so something I'm, even worse? Well, I'm trying to, well, so I'm trying to think about it from the book perspective. Like, what is a worse thing that he does? And, you know, there is that scene with Jane Poole, with, with fake Arya, where he basically forces penisless Theon Greyjoy to, like, go down on her and stuff like to do like sexy oh, stuff. Oh God. Her. Uh, oh, and that's like a really, that. really kind of horrifying uh, chapter. In I think book. I blocked it out. And, yeah. Cause oh, it's man, disgusting. It's, it's just like, it's like, it's, you know, it's just, it's like, it's, you know, really it's a, it's a rape scene and it's a, it's, it feels very violating and as it should. And it feels very icky in the books that I, I kind of had forgotten about it too, but just thinking about this, I imagine um, that could very easily have made the show. Cause that is like, just like another, another scene with him that could be really just really terrifying and terrible. Um, that would be my, my pick. That would be my prediction. Yep. I bet that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, because I did an interview with Alfie Allen. You guys are getting a preview because I was going to put this up today, but I decided to save it until the week after the premiere. Um, so you're getting a preview. Don't spoil my interview that I'm going to run later. Uh, but but in it, Alfie says, there's something that happens about halfway through this season that is really going to make huge waves and people aren't going to be happy about it. It's hard to watch. I bear witness to this thing and it's crazy sort of having to get to portray how messed up everyone's situation is through my own reactions to what happened happens oh. get ready for it oh god oh god i'm trying to think oh man oh gosh okay do i don't that, want to think about that too much i'm just feeling a little gross we might have all just spoiled ourselves to the worst thing that's happened on oh this. god okay well all right so that's coming that's good to know what, what else did you learn uh i think one of the most insightful interviews i had was my interview with george which i know we wanted to talk about um a little bit. Should we shift over into yeah, sure. spoiler territory? Yeah, so, so let's do this. So this is a story that came out, I think, last week or two weeks ago. It came um, out like right before the premiere. Yeah, right before the premiere is um, this this story that has been making the rounds about um, it's it, it originated, I believe, in a Vanity Fair article. Uh, and the headline is Game of Thrones creators confirm the show will spoil the books. Um, it is uh, a conversation. It was from an event, though. It wasn't. It was, I yeah. think they just they covered it from an event. It yeah. wasn't an interview. Yeah. So it was, a, it was it was an event where where David Benioff um, and Dan Weiss were speaking about the show, and uh, Mr. Benioff addresses the TV series outpacing the books. This is what he says. Luckily, we've been talking about this with George for a long time, ever since we saw this could happen, and we know where things are heading. And so we'll eventually basically meet up at pretty much the same place where George is going. There might be a few deviations along the route, but we're heading towards the same destination. 
I kind of wish that there were some things we didn't have to spoil, but we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. The show must go on, and that's what we're going to do. So, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, I think we all knew it was coming. Yeah. I still... But I don't don't think, you know, they hadn't really said it in such plain English before, I think. Right. Um, I still hold out hope. I mean, I know that I was the one who was holding out hope that we were going to get Winds of Winter before this season. I don't... I think that things will be spoiled this season, but I don't think that any storyline will hugely pass the books. If Winds of Winter isn't out by the time the next book comes out, it'll all be spoiled. Uh But that we also, like, George has a year. And based on the way that he's talking about things, I think that he can, like, the end is near enough in sight that he's like, if I cancel appearances, if I don't write scripts for season five, and they're currently writing scripts for season six, and he decided to pass on that. Um, If I really focus down and stay in this world, it seems like he's optimistic that he can get it done. And he made comments about, you know, he canceled appearances in July and in November. um, And he made a comment that, you know, if I finish the books, the book before then, then I retain the right to change my mind about those appearances and go. Um, Which I guess if we read too much into it, which of course, like I'll put my tinfoil hype hat on and read too much into it. He's saying that there is a situation where he could be done with the book by July. Do you think that that's real? I mean, no, I don't think that he'll finish it by July, but I do think, I think the universal consensus seems to be, we'll probably get the book in early 2016, yeah. which feels so long from now. seems like a while. Um, but you know, it's better than never. Yeah, it is. But so, so I spoke with him at on the carpet, and um, in his long rambling way, I asked him about the just like what it means for the show to be passing major or like spoiling major things in the books. Does that mean that the stuff the show does will it be completely different? Um, will it just be the major plot points, but we're also going to get spoiled for like the journey there, or is it just going to be, you know, the show hits the major plot points, but the path is different in each story. And what he essentially said was the major events will be the same, but the minor ones will be different. Yeah. I'm reading, Um, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Um, he said something to you. He says, uh, revelations, plot twists, surprises are not the sole purpose of writing a novel or doing a television show. I think the books and the TV show will both hopefully have their own impact regardless of what's spoiled and not spoiled. And then after that, he says major events, I think will be the same, but there will be a lot of minor events that are different. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's the reality of the situation and we've had to, we've had to face this for a while now. And, you know, there's lots of people who haven't read the books who I know are feeling like, yes, those stupid book readers are in our boat now and they're gonna, they're not gonna be able to spoil things anymore and we can now spoil things for them and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like become this very strange turf war, uh, between fans that I've observed that feels very weird to me. Um, being kind of agnostic on the issue but you know the show is the show the books are the books they're very closely linked in a way that um you know uh, the other closest example on on tv right now probably being walking dead having you know this this really super successful show and these super successful comic books you know are very very different from each other game of thrones has been a lot closer than that um and i think that you know the price that we 
that we have to pay for having this really amazing show and having, uh, you know, an author like George R. R. Martin who has to write at his own pace in order to, you know, dish out the quality that we get is this is what's going to happen. You know, this pace is, is what we're going to eventually run into. And I've made my peace with it, but it, it is definitely, you know, it's a, it's, it's a moment where you're getting this kind of conversation. You're getting these comments from Benioff and Weiss uh, in, you know, from two people who typically don't really talk about these kinds of things. And I think that when they put it out there like that, like we wish we didn't have to spoil certain things in those words, I think, you know, you're going to get fans who are going to really latch on to that. And that's really going to kind of take on uh, a life of its own once those words are kind of out there in the ether. Yeah. And I think that there's this sort of conception from book readers about David and Dan, where there's like the great showrunner conspiracy. They're out to ruin everything you love. Like they just want to make your life. I don't think anyone involved in this production wanted the show to pass the books. Like, to me, David and Dan are the biggest fans of this property because they're making a show about it. Like, that's how serious they are in their fandom. And they've had to change things because that's just the nature of making a TV show. And it sucks because I love Lady Stoneheart and I would have loved to see Lady Stoneheart. Though I have a theory that I will say for the end of the season about why there's no Lady Stoneheart. Ooh. Um, how can but, you just say that and then not say what your theory is? Because, because I can't, we gotta, we gotta see, you know, if things go where I think they go. You don't want to plant your flag now? It. You don't want to plant No, I did. I did just plant my flag. I have a theory and I'll share it at the end well, of the season. give us a little more details because otherwise no, no, anything no, no, no. could happen that is actually right and then you'll be like, that was my theory. Well, Look no, I mean, no, no, no. My theory will be about like future seasons. Okay. If, yeah. Right. Just let it, just let me, just let it go. Just give me this. Yeah, just give me just this. Give me this one thing, said the person who went to the set of Game of Thrones and interviewed <laughs> everybody on the red carpet. I want more. I it's want never more. Enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I think that no one wanted this to be the situation that it is, but it is the situation and you can't just stop the Game of Thrones train. Like, it's the biggest show HBO has. It's one of the biggest shows in the world. They said they want X. Well, we don't know how many seasons they're going back and forth on how many seasons. Uh, but you know, they have to finish it. George doesn't have a time frame, but the TV show does yeah. and it sucks. But what can you do? What can you do indeed? Um, well, here's, here's what we can do. Is there anything more from the, from the red carpet you want to talk about? Uh, no, I mean, people I can read your I did, stuff on Zap. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of interviews. I think those are the most fun ones and the ones that people will um, find the most interesting. Yeah, right now. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I mean, it's it's very easy to 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 read everything that Terry is doing at Zap to it. You can you can follow her on Twitter at Terry underscore. Is it underscore Schwartz or is it just straight up Terry Schwartz? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Your but- your 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 Twitter handle. It's at Terry Schwartz. It's at Terry underscore, underscore Schwartz. Schwartz. That was my question. You didn't hear me ask about the underscore. Terry uh, so Schwartz was taken. And the un- the underscore different. is in play. So go yeah. go find her on Twitter. You can also just go straight to her Zap to It stuff. Uh, ZapToIt.com slash authors slash Terry hyphen Schwartz. Uh, and you'll <laughs> just be able- going crazy with that punctuation. I know. Uh, and you'll, you'll be able to read not just all the Game of Thrones things, but you've got, I, I'm looking at your page right now. You've got some, uh, some Outlanders goodness. You've got some uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So a lot Lots of good stuff coming from Terry. Uh, but yeah, all the Game of Thrones stuff that you're writing about will be seen there. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming coming from, from Terry Schwartzland and Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm so proud of you. It's all, all very exciting. 
Oh, well, um, but, but, I'm proud of you, too, because you still have spoken with George longer than I ever have. It was a good, was a good time. I had a good time with that. Um, so so we are we're going to wrap up today just because Terry has things to do. We got to keep this a little bit shorter today. Uh, we will. I don't know if we're going to do another book club before season five premieres. I think that depends on you guys. If you guys want us to do it, but we, we really need to hear from you. We need to get some questions from you guys. I think what we would do is to do um, not quite a, a preview show, but maybe like a, a, a pre-show feedback show is something that we would be up for doing. If you guys have enough questions, you can send that to us at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it. You can also send us voicemails if you want. Postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail would be the way to do that. Um, or you can email us uh, at uh, got at postshowrecaps.com. Just label in the subject line in that case, uh, book club spoilers. That way, uh, you know, that email does go to Rob Sesternino as well. We don't want to spoil Rob if we can avoid it uh but but yeah so we'll 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 do that if we can if there's enough interest in in a in a pre-show feedback show we will do that otherwise terry we're going to be doing this weekly once game of thrones kicks up heck yeah we are finally back to doing weekly ones finally back to doing weekly ones finally having some some fresh new game of thrones episodes to actually talk about so that's going to be fun we didn't quite stick to the monthly thing that we said we would try to do but i feel like we, we did pretty well i feel like we were pretty close to it we did pretty good i think we did all right uh so so we're very happy about this we're very happy to have game of thrones back in our lives um outside of book club right now rob and i uh in the lead up to the premiere we are doing the road to westeros we are doing daily podcasts of game of thrones here on post show recaps just really quick podcasts just answering one question a day from you guys um talking about the show getting amped up predictions for where the season is gonna go so lots of fun there and you should definitely be writing your questions in for that very good chance that we'll play that on the air uh voicemails especially appreciated for that show um otherwise terry anything else we want to we want to talk about before we we move on can't wait for the patch face season. I know. April Fools. <laughs> April Fools. Game of Thrones Fools. I love the fool season. It's yeah. It's it's quite literal fools. Yes. It's this quite, year. quite literal fools. And we are fools as well. And you guys are all fools for listening to us so much. Uh, but we appreciate it. And we will we be back. It. We will be back very, very soon uh, with more Game of Thrones book club. Uh, if not next week, then as soon as this show comes back, we will be back as well. Which is so. in a week and a half. Oh, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. I'm really, really amped up. Uh, so lots of fun stuff to get talking about in the future. Uh, and until then, everybody, take care. 